I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for a brand-new episode of Collider Ladies' Night. I have one of the stars of the Fast and Furious franchise with us today. It's Jordana Brewster. Hello and congratulations on F9. Thank you. Nice to be here. So we kick off Ladies Night with our fancy dice tower, which you can kind of see behind me. One day when we're back out in the world, you'll get to use it yourself. But right now your fate is in my hands. In order to keep myself in check, I've got eight questions here, but I'm only going to roll it three times. So you're going to get three of these questions. Okay, awesome. You're going with a number five. Oh, this is a fun one to start with. We're calling this one survival skills. Do you think you would have a better shot of surviving Leatherface or surviving an alien invasion faculty style? Alien invasion faculty style. I don't know why Leatherface just really, he's just, he creeps me out. I have really bad memories from that set too. So very, very reasonable. We're coming back to that one though. All right. Roll number two. You got a seven. Ah, that's a wrap. What is the strangest wrap gift you've ever received? Oh, it's not really a wrap gift. It's more stuff I stole from set. I tend to steal my character's bras. Super weird. Um, just, yeah, I think that's that's very strange. Um, yeah. It's useful, though. I get it. Useful, right? I'm like, oh, this is a really good bra. I'm just going to take it. Um, yeah, that would be my my uh, pilfering off the set. You got one more here. We are going with number two. What is something that you did for a role that makes you say, I'm glad I did that, but never again? Okay. I So in Nearing Grace, I... Oh, my gosh. I So I'm back in the day because now I'm just not as sort of conservative, but I was like 23 or four and I had to play the super, I wouldn't call her slutty, but just a little more, just she was the aggressor in the relationship and she had to seduce this younger guy. And so the director was like, I think you should, should take classes at the S Factor. And the S Factor is this, it's this awesome class for many women where you learn how to pole dance and you learn how to, and I just, it, 
I hated it at the time. I think now I would really like it. But back in the day, I was like, oh my God, this is so awkward. And what am I doing? And um, so that was something really weird I did. I did for a role that, um, yeah, I'm glad I did it, but it was, it was strange. You gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. You gotta do what you gotta do. And like, I'm grateful I did it now. I, I recently actually took, I shot something during the pandemic that was really fun. And I took cabaret lessons and dance lessons. And that was really fun. That was different. But I think I was just at a different point in my life. I think back then I was like, what? I have to do what? No. <laughs> it just felt weird. All right. We're going into some specific titles now. Beginning okay. with your soap opera experience, is there anything about your time working on As the World Turns that looking back now makes you go, I am so glad that my first big gig happened in the soap opera format? I'm so Everything about it um, makes me really happy that I started. And, and, and I'm really, really, really sad that it doesn't exist anymore for actors because it was like three years of boot camp um, where you got the material. I would get like 20 pages of material that I had to memorize for the next day. And I couldn't think about it too hard. And I had to show up for work at like 7 a.m. and do my homework at the same time. And I think it just taught me a really good work e ethic. And um, it was also in New York where I worked with awesome actors who graduated from Juilliard and they would give me tips. Like the guy that played my dad, this this wonderful actor, Benjamin Hendrickson was like, Jordana, you gotta stop swearing. Like, here's what you have to do. Like you also like stop taking, stop doing this and that. And he, he gave me, he gave me this wonderful letter when, when I got the fact, the faculty and, and graduated from, from As the World Turns. So it was such a wonderful training ground. It made me so comfortable in front of the camera. So not ashamed at all to be a graduate of As the World Turns. You just gave me the perfect segue into my next topic because I okay. am mildly obsessed with the faculty. I could do a whole show just on the faculty. Such a good cast, right? Such a good cast and such a good movie. So I know that that movie got a whole lot of momentum because of the success of Scream. So I was wondering, yeah. can you feel that when you're filming the movie? And if you can, is that kind of an added excitement or is it more sky high pressure that's a little scary? Um, it was sort of the inverse of Fast and Furious, right? So with the Fast and Furious, I was like, this is a small movie about cars. Like it's a really fun summer project. Um, like everyone's really good looking. This is gonna be fun, but like, who knows where it's going to lead. With the faculty, it was like, you guys, this is going to be huge. Look at all these like successes around us. Like she's all that and scream. And it was like, and it was also Dimension, which was doing really well. That studio, everything was just, and then Tommy Hilfinger was doing our campaign. So we all thought it was going to be huge. And then turned out it wasn't so huge. So sort of, Yes, we, we thought it was going to be massive. I think it was a Christmas opening and then not so big. So it was, it was a good lesson. And, but, but it was like a cult classic. So that's really cool. For what it's worth, I contributed significantly to that box office total. I probably saw it in theaters too Thank many you. times. I know this might not have been what you were referring to when you said it was going to be massive. But at the time, was okay. there any hopes that it would go down the screen path and, and spawn a franchise? Um, I just, I think it was more like we all thought we were going to be like these huge teen stars and not be able to walk down the street. And like, it didn't quite work out that way. Uh, but at the same time, being on set, it was like my first time shooting a movie and first time shooting a movie ever. But also we were in Austin, Texas and working with Robert Rodriguez and, and Salma Hayek was in it. And Jon Stewart would, would like uh, test his material on us, like his comedic routine. Like it was so much fun. I loved 
um, working on that film. What is the craziest set piece you shot for that movie? The craziest set piece, um, the bleacher scene where we are, uh, we're in the gym and Laura Harris becomes <laughs> the alien. I think that was, that was pretty gnarly. In the worst mm -hmm. transition ever, now I wanted to ask you about going back to school. Specifically, what was it like making that decision? Was there ever any fear of kind of losing momentum in the industry? Or is that something that you always knew you were going to do and was important to you? It was super important to me. I wish I could be um, sort of lofty and be like, I just, I like education's like primary and foremost. It wasn't that. It was just I feared. I didn't fear my career not being there because I, I always, I knew that I, I saw teeny boppers come and go. And I knew I didn't want that kind of career. I always wanted a career where I'd still be working in my 40s. 41, still working. So that plan worked out. But I was fearful of leaving school after like freshman year, sophomore year, and then having to go back with like young kids and not, and losing my momentum in terms of like writing papers, like attending seminars, uh, taking tests. And I'll tell you now, like my attention span is gone. And it, it is something I'm so glad I did within that window of time because I'll have it forever. Um, and it was really, it was really valuable to me because I, like I, I am a nerd. I do like studying. I did like that time to just like be myself amongst other kids my age. So it was never a question in my mind whether or not I would do it. Do you find the degree coming in handy in your career now at all? Um, n no, <laughs> to be honest. Only in that, only in as much as like, I think people give you a little more cred and like, take you a little more seriously sometimes. Like I hate it when people are like, oh, oh, you went to Yale? And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I think in the future, as I start to uh, want to write or as I, as I start to work in, in, in other ways, I think it will. And I think it has in terms of um, life in my life space. So I think indirectly it's still, it's helped me in my career. I imagine being an English major is going to come in handy, if not already, actually, even when you're just reading scripts, did, did getting that degree in studying English change the way that you started to read scripts and uh, assess your characters? Um, it, it does in reading plays. Like I'm in this acting class that I really love and I, f I find reading plays really interesting and, and you can break down a character. I find reading scripts really, really painful and I love reading books. I love reading books because you can go into the character and it's all about, it's all about what's going on that doesn't involve the action or the plot at all, right? Because the action or the plot, it's like, who really cares? But like what's going, what you can relate to in a character is what's super interesting to me. And you don't usually get that in scripts. And and maybe that's why I'm so drawn to shows like Smilf, where like the characters are hot messes, but they're so relatable. Um, I feel like I'd, I'd like to explore a little bit more of that, a little bit more of like what's going on internally in someone and a little bit less of what's going on outside. All right, here's a random one for you. Okay. Win a date with Tad Hamilton. I know that scene got cut from the film, but just because I'm just plain old curious, how did you wind up filming a fake movie within that movie? How did, oh my God. And I got to kiss Josh Dumel, which was also a perk. Um, they just called me and they were like, you're gonna, wait, did it get cut or isn't it in the credits? I've seen it floating online out there. Gosh darn it. I thought it was in the credits. Um, so <laughs> they just asked me, it was like one random shooting day and they were like, you're gonna be in the, credits and it'll be fun. And I was like, okay. Um, it is a little awkward to show up one day, meet someone and just 
kiss them. That one little bit though makes me think you need to do more romantic comedies because it's a very amusing beat. And I'm and I I actually am. I'm doing um I'm doing a yes, I'm I'm doing more like guest stars like just making fun of myself kind of things, which I think will be really really fun and liberating. So, yes. I like the sound of that. I can't not bring up Debs right now. Oh my god, yes. Another one that I absolutely love, but also another one that didn't really get the warmest reception. But now I feel mm -hmm. like that one's gone on to become a bit of a cult classic. So what do you think it is about that movie that, you know, didn't really hit back then, but gives it a staying power now? I guess, I guess the movie, just like the faculty, like the movie held but everyone's taste kind of sucked at the time and then everyone caught up, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I love Angela Robinson so much. I think she has, gosh, she's so, I'm, I'm still friends with her to this day and she gives me the best advice and she, she's so awesome. And um, I, think, I think it's just such a fun, it's actually a movie I, I showed my son recently too because it's, it's age appropriate and um, I'm not sure why it didn't hit at Sundance and why it didn't, but it did become sort of a cult classic, which, which I love. And I love when I get recognized for that movie and people are like, Lucy. Um, so that's, that's really cool to me. Angela is one of those directors that I think always deserves more credit than she gets. When Professor Marston in particular came out and then didn't make all that much noise, I, I just flat out didn't understand it. I agree. And she's, she's, I mean, she just signed a new deal with someone and she's, I know she's going to come out with something brilliant and hopefully she does get the recognition because she's, I mean, she's just absolutely awesome. Like she recently, I was like, Angela, I, I really, she got me into Joan Shekels writing class, which is this like really intensive three day thing. And, and, and she, she took like six hours out of her day and it was on the Paramount lot to like take me through how to write, which was so cool of her. Like she's just, I adore her. And I really want to work with her again. I pitch, like I pitched a Debs too to her. And she was like, so you're the, like, are you a teacher? And I was like, what? Like, I've aged? Like I'm not Lucy anymore? What are you talking about? Um, so that was super awkward to realize that. <laughs> but like I'd be another generation. It was very odd to me. I almost wish you didn't say that because I am just absolutely obsessed with the idea of getting a Deb sequel. It would be really fun. I mean, it feels right one way or the other, whether it's just, you know, a revamp on what you guys already did or a continuation where we can bring back some of the original cast. I mean, now it feels like the right environment in Hollywood for it. Don't we all love that kind of stuff? Yes, I agree. And I see Jill Ritchie all the time. We're actually like, our, our kids are in the same neighborhood at school. So now we're like, I see her at pick up and drop off. I'm like, this is so weird. Now we're like, this is our soccer mom life. Bizarre. I don't like introducing every topic I bring up like this, but here's another one that I truly don't believe got the credit it deserved because your Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is my second favorite in that franchise and only because the original is untouchable. So what would you say? I have so many things I can ask about with that movie, but maybe in such a brutal movie from top to bottom, what day of the filming schedule had you circling that day and saying that particular day I'm going to have my work cut out for me most? The thing about doing really physical movies where you have blood all over you and you're just like running or um, where it's just, or you're like tied to a chair, 
it's it gets you out of your head. I think when you're on set and there's a lot of sitting and waiting and then all of a sudden you're performing, it just gives you the time to get super anxious, super in your head. Um, and that's really bad for my type of personality. So I actually enjoyed the night shoots where I was running for six hours straight or caked in blood or screaming my lungs out. I, 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 I quite enjoyed that. And I, I would love to do something like that again. Um, and I was also too naive to be like, that's the day that's going to be hell. To me, a day of hell on a set is a day where you're just waiting around doing nothing, not a day where you're like in every scene doing a bunch of like crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a fun shoot. Although I will say being chased by, um, the guy, Andrew, Andrew Piznarski, Andrew Piznarski, I think was, was Leatherface. That was a little, that was a little scary because... Yeah, that was all scary at night and cornfields. Yeah. This is very fair. It's legit scary. As as someone who doesn't like having downtime on set, what what is the key to passing the time, but in a way that makes you ready to jump right back in when they call you back to set? So usually I will, I mean, it depends. It depends on what production you're on. Because on a fast set, you can do whatever the heck you want. You can like have your kids there. You can do yoga in your trailer. So it's actually quite easy. Um, you can go to craft services, which is like the most amazing spread in the world. So there's so, but I try to keep myself busy and I'll often, actually on the, on this fast set, I was putting myself on tape for other things, which I think is really fun and like keeps your, your tool, like, you know, it keeps you working. Um, and and on smaller sets, I think it like in the in the last two the the two smaller movies that I shot during the pandemic, my boyfriend was there and he was running lines with me, and so I just kept I just kept ready. But you just have to have activities with you. I think that's why a lot of actors like pick up crochet or start drawing or start you you just have to do something or you just you can't watch TV all day and then go oh wait you want me to perform now like what because um, that can be not the most effective. Those upcoming movies that you are doing, I, I can't believe I'm going to butcher the director's last name. Is is one of them Robert Machoyan? Yes, it was The Integrity of Joseph Chambers. And um, we shot that for a couple of days in Alabama, and that was really fun. And I've seen, I recently did ADR, and I'm super excited for it. I think, I think Clayne's a fantastic actor, and Robert's a great director. So I'm really, really excited to see it. Because I also loved what he did with Clayne. Um, with the killing of two lovers, I thought it was really. Have you seen it? I I actually just wa- rewatched it last night because I'm hosting a panel for them tomorrow, so I should oh, clear cool. clear up the so pronunciation should... of the name pretty soon. Right. I interviewed right. them back at Sundance in 2020, so I've had all this time to forget how to pronounce his name. Oh my gosh, there. I mean, it's so good and so raw, and like you watch that movie and then you keep flashing back to it, which I think. Like him in the cart with the cart and the kids and like disappointing his kid. Like, oh, the whole thing is just like, so I, I'm very excited about that one. Is the visual style on the movie you made with him as as unique as it is on The Killing of Two Lovers? It is. Yes. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, he's very precise and um, like uses long lenses a lot and um, it's, it's a little bit grittier. Um, yeah, it is. I'm very pumped for that. All right, getting back to your 
past titles. I always do like covering some bumps in the road over, over time and seeing how we overcame them. So the one I want to bring up for you is the Mr. and Mrs. Smith pilot. What was it like making a big pilot like that and having it not move forward? Does that kind of, you know, push you away from the TV sphere for a little while? Or is it just a matter of, you know, brushing it off and moving on to the next project? No, I don't think it's ever a matter of brushing it off and moving on, moving on to the next uh, pilot. I think the only thing you can do... The only thing that helped me be more sane in, in the industry uh, was going to school because then I had something that kept me super, super busy and super focused. And it was like they complemented each other perfectly. But but it not getting picked up crushed me because it was like we had all the elements. We had Doug Lyman. We had all the elements for success, and yet ABC didn't pick it up. So that was – and I think it was the tone that was wrong. I think – also, I was in a I was in a, a phase of my career where, like, I now have, like, I now go to class every week. I now have an acting coach that I will defer to for everything. Like, I will work on something endlessly. I think back then I was probably like 24, 25. So I was like, I have this whole thing figured out. And that sort of, that, actually, I think that was an important road bump because it taught me, like, girl, you, you got to get to work. Like, you don't have it all figured out. And, um... And so it was a nice kick in the ass, I think, ultimately. Do you think you'll continue to, you know, go to school or just take courses throughout your career in, in any sector of filmmaking? Yeah. Well, I still do my class um, because what helps me with my class, it's this teacher called Nancy Banks. Her name is Nancy Banks. She's, she's my coach. And um, when I go to class, I see these phenomenal actors and I see that there's like, I just sit there and I'm like, oh my God, that was so good. There's nothing to change. And then she'll tweak the smallest thing and make it so much better. And then that helps me realize, because I used to be so afraid of notes. With the director, I was like, I don't I want notes. Like, I, I, want, I want to be perfect at all times, like being type A personality. But now I realize that a note is just a tweak and it's an adjustment and it could be better. It could be worse, but like try it and be open. And so that's what class helps me with immensely. And like watching the other students helps me as much as getting getting up there and performing. Um, I also take writing classes, which is just like cathartic. Um, and yeah, I'll keep, like if I could go back to school, I would. But um, for now, I'll just keep taking classes until like I die probably. All right, we're getting into the Fast and Furious of it all. What were your expectations for the franchise when you first signed on to the very first movie? At that point, did you think it would be one and done? Or was there any early talks of a potential franchise? No. So uh, when I signed on to the first film, um, it was called Redline. It was a movie about street racing. I, so I think at the time, Vin was cast, uh, Paul was cast, um, and then I met Michelle at the table read. But, but no, I thought it was totally one and done film until, and then they reinvented it with Too Fast, Too Furious, and then Tokyo Drift went a whole different direction. And then when I came back for four, I was like, oh my God, I was so excited. I was so excited to come back to be a part of the universe again. And then I thought, okay, maybe this is going to keep progressing for me, which was, which was how it ended up. And so yeah, that, that little lapse between one and, and four was, I, I missed it for sure. I want to ask you about getting the call to come back for four because it must have been very exciting. But I was wondering, was it any bit of a, of a bummer maybe that you weren't going to get to get into the action of it all that time? Yes, I think with four, um, I mean, 
all of four though has this sort of like I've seen five again, I've seen one again. I haven't rewatched four, but to me it's like very gray. It's like set in LA, Paul's in his suit, I'm in this like red dress and I have bangs and I'm just like very sad and pissed off at him. And like, I just feel like I don't remember that one super fondly. It's like five that sticks out for me. Nine's gonna stick out now because nine's really, really good and I get a little more action. But yes, it's always a bummer when when I'm not, like, as I've said, I, I love being a part of the action. I don't just like being a talking head, um, talking with the boys. Like, it's fun to get in there and get dirty. All right, I asked this next question purposefully because I wanted to tie it to that fourth film. So I imagine on your end, this has probably evolved from film to film, but which Fast and Furious installment of the bunch do you think gave you the most clarity as far as your hopes and goals for the character in the franchise overall and how she serves it? Well, it's a tie between one and five, I have to say. I think, I think, um, <laughs> I never give myself credit when I'm working on something. And when it comes out, like, I'm always like, no, 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 like, I wish I could have done that better. I wish I could have done this better. But I recently looked back at one and I was actually really proud of myself because I was this kid in college and, and I worked on, how I speak. I worked on on making myself a little bit more tough. And, and I, I think I really come off as, as, as a little bit tougher. And I'm really proud of that. And I came off as, as very grounded. And then I think I lost that as the franchise evolved. And I was kind of prissy in four. And then back to like really knowing what I want in five. And I tried to retain that in, in nine because it's really important to me. Um, that Mia's sort of the, Mia's very centered and grounded. Um, and I lost sight of that in four, but also it was just like reintro reintroduction to everyone. Um, but I think five had, five had every element in it. It had the, okay, we're going to build a family. It also had the, we're going to go out there and kick ass and we're going to get fearless and like, both of you shut up and start, ar stop arguing and we're going to come together. It, it like had all of those elements, um, in a, in a really sort of nice, cohesive way. And we're getting back to that with nine. So I bring up that question after asking about four because I did just do a bit of a rewatch and I was all bummed that you weren't in the action of it all originally. But then in rewatching that movie, Mia says a couple of things in four that essentially tee up the family that we come to know and love so much in four and then five. I don't know, just what she says about how people gravitate towards uh, Dom and blaming Brian for how he ripped the family apart. There are certain seeds yeah. that she planted that I think without her would have made some of the character development in later installments far less impactful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to I'm going to recycle that quote and I'm going to use it. So if you hear it, please it do. From you. All right. Big old overall question for you. Do you have a favorite scene of the franchise? One, a favorite one to film, and then a finished product that you're most proud of? Um, my favorite one to film was, so in the fifth one, I was really, so there was a day I, I got to set, I had this harness in the trailer. I was like, what's going on? I knew that, so I saw Better Luck Tomorrow before I signed on to Annapolis. I didn't sign on to Annapolis. I auditioned for it like multiple times before Justin was like, okay, you're good enough. Um, that's, that's the reality. But I knew that he had this like, he came from independent film. He loves like doing it yourself. And so I, I knew that about him. And he's like, I'm going to challenge you. And I was like, okay, Justin, but I didn't know how. And then all of a sudden there's this harness in my trailer and he wants me to jump off a building. And I was really scared. 
and super scared because also my stunt double wasn't doing it for me. And um, I remember Paul like coaching me and, and getting the rhythm with me over and over and over again. And I remember failing so many times. Like I think even if you watch the movie, you can tell I'm going like this. Like I still like my body language is awesome, but I'm still like cringing. Um, that was one of my favorite scenes to shoot um, because of all the teamwork uh, that, that took part in that film. Um, also, one of my favorite scenes was like the iconic scene where we're all like where the street racing started, right? And like every every subsequent film has like a callback to that scene where it's like Vin, uh, uh, Dom, Brian, and they're like sort of there's this like uh, I don't I don't want to say what I was about to say. I was going to say like there's like they're both sort of pounding their chests and like they're they're you know gonna fight. And, um, oh my God, but there's also the first scene, the first movie where I'm choosing between my brother and Brian. That's one of my favorites as well. That was so iconic. I remember we shot that in like, um, we were in Bernard San Bernardino and it, that was just, that was just an epic scene. Going into the F9 sector now. So you're not in the fate of the furious. You get the call to come back for F9 at that point. I'm not sure how involved you are creatively with the story, but given the closure we get in Seven, were there any absolute musts for you in terms of justifying Mia getting back in the mix? Um, so the way I came back was a very, it was sort of an evolution. Um, first I thought, okay, there's a chance I, I won't come back, I guess, or, and then slowly it, it sort of evolved where it became clear that that I was coming back, we just needed for it to make sense. And and with Jacob coming back, with Jacob coming in, um, it absolutely makes sense for me to be there. Um, and and the fact is, Brian will always be a part of of the universe. And so, I think, um, yeah, I think I I just. When I heard Justin and and Vin were handling it, I, I knew that it was Mia's entry and also Brian's legacy. All of it would be handled with with grace, and um, so I didn't feel like I had to be like I, these are my hard lines because I I trust those guys completely. Based on the limited clips that that I've seen, I get the feeling that what you're saying really did happen. So I'm excited to see the full thing. Bringing up Justin now, the franchise has been pretty successful since day one, but I feel like the batch of films that he directed took it to like another tier of blockbuster success. So while you were making those movies, can you feel his sensibilities kind of taking the series to another level? Yeah, there's also, there's no, for the amount that Justin takes on, for the level of, like the stakes are so high. And there's so much he has to deal with. And yet he's the calmest, most, um, again, like I keep bringing up his integrity. Like the fact that there are actors from Annapolis that are in Fast and Furious 9. And I was like, oh my gosh, like in the flashback, I recognize him. And um, that says so much about him. He is, he is the most loyal, uh, cool-headed, like has not changed in the last like, 15 years that I've known him. Um, so he is the right guy to be at the helm of this franchise because he's just, 
he's like, he's our leader and he's able to handle every element that comes at him. Like I've never, ever seen him lose it. And that's kind of insane. He's also a really hard worker. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it during this interview, but like during the pandemic, I checked in on him a couple of times and once it was safe to go out to dinner, I was like, okay, let's, let's all go out to dinner. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm still working on, on the film. And I was like, what, what could you possibly be working on still, Justin? It's been like, it's in the can. And he's like, no, 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 there's still things to tweak. Um, so he's a perfectionist and um, he works his butt off and, and it shows, it shows in the film. Given how highly you speak of him, could you imagine any other director in the world closing out this saga with those final two films? No, because the other thing that really that that really shows in Nine is every character. Because there's so many of us now, right? There's there's Natalie's character. There's um, Tyrese. There's uh, Chris Bridges. There's me. There's there, there's so many characters you have to service, and he manages to do that. Like everyone has an arc. Everyone gets their action scene. Everyone that's so hard to do, and he does that as well. And and he. Um, he makes sure that, that, that that's done, which is wonderful. And that's also a really important part of, of this franchise. And the other thing he does in this one, which is really cool, is there are Easter eggs for all the super fans. I mean, there's even stuff in there I don't understand. I'm like, what's that referring to? And wait, let's get this chronology straight because I literally need it on index cards. It, it can get very confusing. Um, so, but he keeps track of it all and, and puts in little nuggets that's like gonna really reward the diehard fans and uh, no one else should be in control of this universe. Absolutely not. I am happy to hear that and I'm not surprised to hear you say that. So now we're gonna go into some Fast and Furious cast superlatives. I will give you the superlative. You tell me who fits the descriptor and why. First, okay. most like their character. I think it's uh, Michelle because Michelle's pretty fearless. She puts, um, she puts like honor and integrity over like over money, over reputation, over like she puts her money where her mouth is, which I don't, I, I can't say the same about me. I can't say the same about a lot of us. So I'd say Michelle and Letty are, are very similar. This is why she's one of my favorites in the biz. Um, yeah. Most likely to survive a zombie apocalypse. I would say Vin, because Vin is like super smart, strategic, strong. And so he would survive the zombie apocalypse. I would believe that. How about most changed? Like most changed from film one to where you guys are now? Oh, most changed. Um, I'd have to say me. I've gone through a ton. I think I, I was like an arrogant little 21-year-old. And now I'm sort of... Like, I've just gone through a ton. I think me and Chris has also gone through similar changes. Um, and so, yeah, for the better, for the better, for sure. All right, this one I feel like could offend some people, but the best cook. I think Natalie. Natalie's um, vegan, but she's like like a foodie as well. So um, I think I think Natalie would be would be the best chef out of all of us. We are on to the last two questions of Ladies Night. We always end with the same two. First one is, who is someone that you think is changing the industry for the better? Someone that is changing the industry for the better. Um, I mean, the like the industry has shifted so much in the last ten years. Like it's just shifting completely, um, but. On the heels of what I just said about Michelle and her outspokenness and her fighting for what she wants and standing for what she stands for, 
um, unequivocally, I would say Michelle is, and she's done that since the very beginning. She fought for Letty on, on movie one, and she was like, I am not playing this character. I will walk away, and that takes a lot. Um, so she is. She, she, um, she lives her truth. Um, yeah, she is for sure. I love that answer. All right, last one. It's a bit of a heavy one. You could take it in a lighter direction if you prefer. What is okay. the biggest fear that you've ever had that you've actually managed to overcome? Oh my gosh. The biggest fear I've ever had that I've managed to overcome, um, I think, I mean, look at this past year. This past year, uh, there were so many unknowns. I got separated in 2020. The pandemic was going on in 2020. I was alone with my kids, like homeschooling them in 2020. So that was kind of like the equivalent of a zombie apocalypse um, all at once. So like th those were, I, I feel like I've faced a lot of my fears in the last year, which which is good. Uh, I like hearing that. And you know, someone out there who admires you could be inspired by hearing you say that. So awesome. I appreciate you sharing and thank you so much for your time today. For everyone thank out you. there, F9 thank in theaters. Really Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.